from AATH, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. This is LaughBox, the podcast for laughter and humor professionals. Here's your host, Chip Lutz. Time for Laugh Box. Yes, my favorite time of the week, and perhaps yours too. Hey, did you hear about the guy who went to the AATH conference? No? Well, his life was never the same. That guy was me, 2006. I'm going to encourage you to go to this year's conference in 2019, in April, in Chicago. Check it out at aath.org. Your life won't ever be the same. In this week's interview, I'm talking to Wade Lightheart. He's a three-time natural bodybuilding champion, and we're talking about health, baby. Yeah, health. Wade shares some awesome things I had no idea happen within our bodies and things that you can get checked out. So I want you to sit back and actually grab a paper and pencil. You're going to want to write some stuff down because he gives a special offer at the end. So enjoy. Well, hello, friends. Welcome to the podcast. This is Chip Lutz, the unconventional leader. And today I get to talk to a pretty cool guy. I get to talk to three-time natural bodybuilding champion, Wade Lightheart. So welcome, Wade, to the, to the podcast. Big cheers to you, my friends. Great to be here, Chip. Thanks for having me. Oh, the pleasure's all mine. So, you know, for my listeners, if you can give them like the 411 on who Wade, this mysterious man of mystery, is. Well, I think it started off pretty uh, humble beginnings in uh, Canada in a place called New Brunswick, which is right next to Maine for those who don't know where that is. and That wouldn't be surprising. Uh, grew up in a very rural setting, played hockey like all kids in Canada. And then I had some life transforming experiences when I was 15 years old. Three things happened. One, my parents moved to an extremely rural place. Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning five miles to my nearest neighbor. I literally was in the woods. Telephone poles ended at my door. We had our own plowing equipment and I used to take a snowmobile out to get the school bus. So that was interesting. Um, took me out of, in a, put me in a place where I had to do a lot of, I spent a lot of time by myself, a lot of time in reflection or contemplation and, uh, and a lot of time in nature, which I didn't like at the time, but turned out to be valuable later on in life. I re- began to realize simultaneously, my sister was diagnosed with cancer mm. at that time. And I watched her go through the medical model over four years before she died. And that had a very profound impact on me. She was four years my senior. And so I learned that life or health isn't a guarantee mm-hmm. and that you can't really have, you can't really experience health through a medical model. You can maybe treat a disease, but you're not really experiencing health. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing is she had given me a, a, a bodybuilding magazine at that time, which had a picture of uh, Mr. California on it and two pretty girls and driven mad with testosterone at 15 years old. I was like, wow, geez, I maybe I better get some of these muscles, but I want some of these girls. And uh, I built a gym in a kind of a la Rocky, uh, was it four where he fought the Drago, you know, in a, in a, in a barn in the middle of the snow and uh, started training, went on to university, studied exercise physiology, uh, mentored under uh, some coaches later on and eventually led to me representing my country at the Mr. Universe contest in 2003 as a bodybuilding champion, which also set me up for my life today because I had a major health crisis after that. Really? 
I didn't, I didn't know about that. What was the, uh, what was the major health crisis? Well, after the Mr. Universe contest, I gained 42 pounds of fat and water in 11 weeks. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yes. So don't try this at home as they say. Um, (laughs) And uh, fortunately, I met a, a, a doctor who, uh, after that thing, because you know, here I've got perfect diet, perfect training, I'm doing everything you're supposed to do, I've studied exercise, physiology, nutrition, I've got the best coaching you can get, I'm at the pinnacle of what, what a lot of people would say is cosmetic fitness, because mm-hmm. essentially that's what it is, and uh, what's, what's going on? And I met this doctor and he said to me, Wade, you've learned how to build the body from the outside in, you haven't learned to build the body from the inside out. And I was like, wow. Yeah. I was like, aha. Oh man. Uh, He's so right. And he, of course he was in his seventies. He he was super vibrant. He had all kinds of energy. He was ridiculously strong and vibrant. And I was like, and and I was like, yeah, you know, (laughs) this guy would kick my butt. So I mean, like, I I better learn from this guy. He knows something I don't. Yeah. And literally I rebuilt my body by fixing my digestion. And uh, that led to me uh, and my business partner, uh, who were both personal trainers at the time, to develop a company that uh, focused on just on that. Well, and I want to talk about that a little bit. I want to talk about, you know, going health from the inside out. I mean, but let's go back to um, that muscle mag. Because, I mean, that's so interesting. Because I'm assuming I'm a little bit older than you. But, um, and what I, I loved about on your website where I was like, you know, you're a, you know, the natural, you know, you did it all naturally. Because I grew up, you know, seeing the same thing, seeing, you know, like I was a big Arnie fan and he didn't realize till later on that Arnie was taking roids, you know, pretty seriously. Um, and what's funny is that you built your, your gym, very Rocky four. I knew completely what you were talking about there because I'm a, I'm a big Rocky fan. Um, anyway, so, um, in building that, I mean, that must have been like a, a, big effort, you know, as a young man like that, it's like, I got to do something. So, I mean, what, where did you go for your, um, uh, your, um, what's the word I'm looking for, for your, um, your basis on like building your gym? I mean, it's just like, you know, to go to the library research stuff. I mean, where did you get your ideas for like what you needed to do? Oh, good question. So, well, first thing I, I needed a weight set. So I, I decided I would get a job so I could make some money. Cause I, they had a, they, they had a, I, I th- there was a company called consumers distributing, which you used to get things from a magazine and kind of, it was like a warehouse uh-huh. and they had a York barbell set with a bench and everything. And I'd see these in the magazines and I was like, okay, I obviously need one of those to do these exercises. They're right. So I got that, but the problem was I didn't have a squat rack. I didn't have a pulley uh-huh. pull down machine or anything like that. So I was like, okay, what can I, I didn't have a dipping stage, all these different things. And so I went, okay, well, what do I need? When you have a lot of time, which I did, I was here by myself. I had to start figuring things out. So I realized, well, I can make a dipping station if I took this two wheeler that hauls carts around and I put that under a tractor tire. And if, and, and if I took these I took these saw horses that we cut boards on or cut wood on, I, I could use that as a squat rack and I could take this pulley here and I could screw it into this beam and run a cable off it. And it was a very, the, the crudest pull down machine ever because I, I tie, I, I hooked the T-bar uh, through a, through a wire, like or through a cable. And then I screwed a, a, a long steel cylinder into that T that was uh-huh. attached to the bottom. And then I'd slide these York weights onto that, 
onto that onto that bar, then screw it in, and they do the pull downs. But you had to be really smooth on the pull downs, or the thing would swing back and hit you in the head. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was it was crude. But you know, as a young man, and I think the the cool thing was is it was almost my own rites of passage because. Everything in my life was out of control from the standpoint. I couldn't control where I lived. I couldn't control my sister being sick. Right. Control. This was a place that I could kind of go back and, 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 and take control of my life and see progress. And that became extremely satisfying. And I think um, was really powerful in, in my formative years. Yeah, your own fortress of solitude. Yeah. Absolutely. And what's funny is I'm so familiar with the York Barbell Company, my second reenlistment in the Navy, York, Pennsylvania. I reenlisted at the um, uh, York uh, Bodybuilding Hall of Fame right there. It's, I signed my contract on uh, a, uh, a, uh, <laughs> a, a plaster replica of Arnold Schwarzenegger's lats. And um, yeah, it was a good time. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of the few people who don't think that's the greatest story ever. <laughs> well, it was just funny because, like, you know, at that time, you know, uh, you could re-enlist wherever you wanted to re-enlist. So it's like, you know, I was there in a uh, station in right outside Philadelphia, and my friend and I, we, were, we worked out together all the time. And he's like, hey, where do you want to re-enlist? I'm like, I don't know. Where is he? Because, hey, let's go to the York body. Let's go to York. They've got the Bodybuilding Hall of Fame. I'm like, that'd be awesome. So... We went there and re-enlisted. It was, it, was, uh, it was pretty cool. So when he said York, I was like, oh, man, we're like uh, almost like brothers, except I didn't build my own gym. I grew up a fat kid, so I didn't get into uh, you know, working out until later in life when um, I, I knew I needed to. And even so, it's, just, it's a constant, uh, constant uh, love-hate relationship with the gym. Anyway, so you know, going back to what you were talking about with uh, – uh, you, you throwing on all that, you know, weight and you meeting this person, that's, you know, kind of a, a cool story in that, you know, almost like fate, you know, brought you together with this person that in essence really kind of like saved you in a way. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I remember I met him as I was getting pre preparing for the Mr. Universe contest. And I wasn't feeling that great leading up to that. I had, you know, I was basically brain dead. My joints hurt. I was uh, extremely tired and fatigued. But that was just kind of the standard of, you know, operating system for people competing for I, I, that year. I had, to do, I had to win three different shows to go. And I was on a contest diet for a long period of time saying very low body fat levels, which isn't healthy. Mm -hmm. And um he introduced some ideas before that contest, which were counter to everything that was out there. And I remember going that kind of rattling around in my head and going, geez, you know, this guy's got something, but I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. And then after, uh, of course I had my meltdown, I sought him out. And, uh, for, fortunately he, uh, I, I was able to have him mentor me and teach me the things that I didn't know. And that, uh, transformed my life. So, again, I'm really interested in that because the whole digestive thing, I mean, last year I ended up on Easter morning, you know, I ended up having a perforated bowel. It was, it was horrible. I thought, actually, I thought I was going to die. And actually, I could have died, but I got to the hospital quick enough. I spent like four months with a, um, an ostomy. You know, it was, it was yeah, you, nobody ever wants one of those. I'm just telling you. And if you've got one and you're listening, I'm sorry. But um, so – let's talk about that whole digestive health piece, because I think that that's something that uh, with all the, 
I blame my perforated bowel on yo-yo diets. You know, I do this for a little bit. I do that for a little bit. And like when I was talking to my doctor, he was like, um, you know, what I went through health wise was something like the surgery I went through is something like in people, uh, the doctors in Africa only read about because, you know, their, their, um, their diet is such that it promotes good digestive health. So, you know, let's, um, can we get into that a little bit? And, you know, what are the, the facets of, you know, having a good gut? Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is something that we didn't really have to deal with. It's, it's a modern based disease because of what's happened culturally um, in the world. And let me explain that for a second. So if you look at the history of humanity, we've gone through a couple of different parameters. And I'm going to explain this because you have to understand the, the environment that's allowed these massive shifts because digestive related illnesses now are the fifth leading cause of death. And they're really? also, yeah, they're big contributors also wow. to cancer, heart disease, and diabetes, the big, th the big three killers. Mm -hmm. And so well, what, and then of course the, the fourth one is, is the overprescription of, or contraindications between medications to treat some of the other diseases. So, so it's like, um, and, and I'm not here to disparage, um, medical doctors and stuff because basically they're the last line of defense when your lifestyle's got you uh -huh. and it's our responsibility to take care of this. But the problem is, you know, we had, we were hunter gatherers before and we forged around and we ate local food and everything was in its natural state. And then we eventually evolved into farming, which uh, was actually a, in some ways a step backwards from this because we didn't have as much variety in our diets. And so we developed a kind of civilization based diseases and, and certainly a lot more problems with infection and things like that. Mm -hmm. Then came the industrial revolution, which kind of made uh, mass production of food available for the first time in history up, up until this time. It was a much better situation if you ate more food because you're not sure when you're going to have the last one. So we're genetically built to eat more than we need to because traditionally we didn't have to worry about that in the past. There was mm -hmm. never, there wasn't enough food to go around, but now there's too much. The other thing was, is after world war two, there was an, an excess of nitrogen around from the unused bombs and they decided, Hey, well let's put that into the soil and start growing crops because we can, we can increase the yield from a volume size and speed. However, we're losing nutrient density. So the U.S. government reported that wheat, for example, at the turn of century was about 90% um, protein. Now it's less than 7%. Shut up. Really? Yeah. This was, this was in Congress was an issue. And, <laughs> and then, I had and no idea. That's, that's how people lived on bread in the Middle Ages. Wow. So now we have – so now we're, we moved into monoculturing. We moved into subsidizing kind of some monoculture crops. Then came – the use, because the, the, the crops would be, be essentially weaker strains, they would have less nutrients in it, they would have less minerals in it, they would have less enzymes present in it, less amino acids present in it. So they're bigger, they're faster, but there's less in it. Mm -hmm. um, then, so what do we need? We need herbicides, pesticides, and fungicides to go on to that, right? In order to maintain the integrity of the food to protect it from the bugs. Mm -hmm. so, so, so we add all that into the dietary chain. Now, how herbicides, pesticides, and fungicides work in the body is they interrupt enzymatic processes in the body. Enzymes are responsible for everything from thinking to blinking. It's the difference between living organisms and stones. And they're basically catalysts for chemical reactions. Virtually mm -hmm. everything that you can do requires an enzyme. Uh, probiotics are bacteria strains 
that are uh, really little intelligent bags of enzymes that go around and perform basic functions. And those two things are essential to assimilating and utilizing and absorbing our food. Mm. Enzymes and probiotics, they're the workers. And everything else in nutrition, and I'm classically trained nutritionist and studied exercise physiology, everything is either energy units or it's building blocks. The only things that do work in the body is enzymes and probiotics. Mm -hmm. But as a culture, we're feeding ourselves. Uh, first off, we're the only species that eats cooked food, right? So every other animal eats food in its live state where it gets its enzymes and gets the, the probiotics naturally occurring to that. Because of modern production, we heat it, we kill it, um, we destroy the enzymes, we wipe out the bacteria that might be found on it if we were to grow a carrot in the ground and eat it and all that sort of stuff. And there's reasons for that. But the bottom line is, is the average person is consuming more calories, but they're not providing enough workers to break down and digest the food. And anytime you don't digest and assimilate your food, it now becomes a toxin. So your mm -hmm. body has a couple options, stored as a fat cell, and then, or it's, it's just kind of rots inside your, in your, inside your guts. And that feeds that sounds, bad bacteria. That sounds horrible. Well, it, you mean, you, you, go into the, you go into a change room in any gym around the world, uh -huh. it doesn't smell too good. Well, that's a clue. And the clue is, is that you have um, bad bacteria that are now feeding on the undigested food. They're producing mm -hmm. indol, skadol, all these different toxins that's impairing people's moods. It's causing them to gain weight. It's giving them food cravings at two o'clock in the morning. Um, they're not able to go to the bathroom properly because they're not getting proper peristaltic contraction. They're not able to build their, rebuild their organs or muscle tissues and things like that. The one thing that we do know is that the longest living populations in the world eat less than people who don't. That, that, and so why, do they, why is that? They're preserving their enzyme and their, their bacteria pools in a way that allows them to support life for a longer period of time. Interesting. So like, you know, going back, you know, you were talking about um, the, the two workers. So, and we don't get those workers because we cook everything. Like, you know, I live on a farm. I have, you know, chickens and turkeys and stuff. I couldn't imagine just going out and like beating one and eating it raw. But um, so like, because you see all the time, you know, like, oh, this has got probiotics in this and you got, you know, you know, you know, you want all this protein here and stuff like that. It just, it gets really confusing on, you know, what you need, how you need it, you know, like, what's a person to do? I mean, where do you get the right information? Because there's so much conflicting information out there. And you're right. And that's, I think, another one of the issues is that the average person, unless they've really studied this extensively and or have a background in this is almost in a hopeless situation. First and foremost, you need to understand your own individual genetics and epigenetics. In other words, the dietary components that are going to be most suitable for your individual body. It's time for fun facts. Fun facts is where we share well, some facts about humor, laughter, sometimes nothing at all, but this week's fact is about humor in the workplace. Fact, humor is more important than pay. An industry-wide study of over 2,500 people found that 55% of workers would take less pay to have more fun at work. This means the majority of people would literally take a pay cut for a more lighthearted work environment. 
I don't know about you, but that's always been true for me. I never had a job where I woke up every morning thinking, oh my God, this is what I get to do. It's always been about uh, the fun I got to have with the people I was around. So now back to that interview with Wade. Mm -hmm. You can get some testing nowadays relatively inexpensive. You can go to uh, 23andMe for genetic testing. You can get a naturopathic doctor that can look at your genetics and epigenetics. And Oh, really? Yeah. it's I have a... Uh, uh, ND that helps me uh, interpret the data. Uh-huh. And basically we, we determine which foods are not going to su- be supported by my system and which ones are going to be. So for example, my business partner, um, Matt Gallant, he's a keto guy and I'm a vegetarian. We're on polar ends of the spectrum of the dietary program, but we both address our, our, our digestive capacity because it's, you're not what you eat. You're what you digest, absorb, and utilize. And so, um, and that's a result of the digestive process in your body. And then there's tests now that can demonstrate what you can do. And the other thing is, is you just got to pay attention to all of the chemical agents that's been added to our diets that as a species, we have yet to adapt to. And that is particularly, as I mentioned, the herbicides, pesticides, fungicides, mm-hmm. dyes, preservatives, um, and other chemical agents, fillers, binders, um, these type of things that our bodies can't process. And anything you can't process now becomes a toxin, puts a bigger metabolic load on your body. Your body will then store that chemical in a fat cell if it can't process it through a liver to hopefully deal with it some other day. And people start dealing with obesity, then they start running into complications from that, uh, chronic inflammation inside the digestive system that eventually leads to situations something like you experienced. Man, you're like depressing the hell out of me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not my intention. Um, it's like, please, Marley, speak comforts to me. You know, but well, it just, it just, because it, it, it's, uh, it's interesting that, uh, like, to go through, because I never really thought about it from a genetic standpoint. Like, I, I, I realized that, like, um, my genetics, like, you know, I work out, you know, I, I, I go to the gym, you know, five to seven, you know, five out of seven days of the, of the week. But I understand that, you know, with my body, I'm never going to be, you know, like some of the big bodybuilders. That's just not my body type, right? You know, I work out, stay healthy because I'm in my 50s and I don't, you know, I don't want to die tomorrow. Um, However, I never really thought about the genetic process of, you know, uh, digesting food. I just figured that people were people, you know, that's your, your body, you know, if you eat less, you know, eat less sugar, you know, you, you know, uh, you manage your vegetables versus protein, you know, stuff like that, that eh, you'd be pretty much healthy. But what you're saying is that you really need to be concerned with, you know, how your genetics factor into all that. It's a big factor. And of course, that's not a popular conversation today. But years ago, there was a top bodybuilding coach and his name was Chris Aceto. And you can check him out. He's, he was famous for being doing the nutrition training. And he, he wrote a paper and was able to demonstrate scientifically that there are genetic predispositions uh-huh. for how you metabolize, for example, carbohydrates. I'll give you a simple example. If you grew up in a culture like... Uh, say Ireland, which had access to potatoes for many generations, Mm -hmm. 
your blood sugar response to potatoes would be significantly different than your blood response to rice, maybe something that wasn't introduced into your culture. Simultaneously, if you compare that to someone of an Asian background, they would metabolize rice very well and potatoes not as well. Now, that's very, very basic. Uh-huh. And, you know, I wouldn't want anyone to draw specific conclusions on it, but you can take that down. And what's interesting about humans is we adapt to the environment, but sometimes this takes you know, several generations to make those integrations. And of course, through natural selection, you know, people where that diet didn't suit them, well, they didn't make it, they didn't reproduce, um, or their families died out. So um, that's an unfortunate part that, you know, we live in these kind of like cushy worlds today that we're not attuned to maybe the reality of uh, natural selection. Uh Well, it's just... um... (laughs) It's kind of funny in my head. I'm thinking, all right, so if that's the case, you know, you're thinking about like potatoes in Ireland, rice in, you know, um, rice in Asia. And then you're thinking about, all right, the U.S. Does that mean that we're going to process McDonald's better than other cultures? Well, that's the, <laughs> yeah, good question. What, what, I, what I would say, the, this is the next introduction to the, the, the compounding and why we're seeing such an explosion in digestive related illnesses. Uh-huh. In- of depression in today's world because our bodies are not able to convert the genetically modified Franklin foods, I like to call them, into usable energy units. And mm-hmm. these things end up feeding um, what I would call bad bacteria, for, for lack of a better name, which are essential to our, we have good and bad and kind of opportunist bacteria in the body. Mm-hmm. And those things start producing all sorts of toxins inside the body. Basically, they poop in our blood. And this is where a lot of people don't have the energy to reach their dreams, might feel anxiety or depression, might have skin conditions, might have uh, inability to manage their weight. They don't know why they're getting food cravings at two o'clock in the morning for a, you know, a, a Jerry's two liter of ice cream or whatever. But basically, we've now shown that the gut um, bacteria is like our second brain. We all said that. It's, it's my gut instinct. Well, it turns out that these bacteria are so intelligent, they, they dial into our nervous system and actually um, produce a variety of chemicals uh, that feeds both thoughts and emotions inside our brains. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> this is fascinating. I never, I didn't, I did not know any of that. Um, all right. So if you painted this really, I don't want to say a bleak picture, but this... <laughs> <laughs> oh, this picture makes me afraid to eat anything. So what, what are some solutions for people? Cause I, you know, I, I, we can like, if you know, you come from the European section, are there things like, you know, just genetically there you're better off eating, or, you know, if you're from Asia, these are things you're better off eating, or, you know, should you do the 23 and me and find out, you know, what it is, or just like, Hey, this is a kind of like a solid diet plan. I mean, what are some things that you can do? Because it's, um, I, it's gotta be like, for me, it's just kind of like super confusing. I mean, I like to eat what I like to eat. However, I'm, I'm con- I know what's, um, I know what makes me put on weight. I know what, um, what keeps my, you know, um, keeps my weight, you know, kind of main, you know, maintained as well, you know, uh, fairly well. So, um, what, do, what do you do? Great question. I think a genetic testing is a really great opportunity because it'll start to show you agents that you're not going to process very well. Mm-hmm. And that's going to run into problems. I think it's a great start and, and they're very inexpensive right now, a couple hundred bucks. 
and you can get just some fascinating data about yourself. And I think most people that do it are just like blown away <laughs> about what, what, you know, was previously unknowable just even a decade or so ago. Um, I think the second thing is, is the one rule is eat less. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do believe practicing either intermittent fasting or fasting is good because that'll, that rests the digestive organs and is also a little bit more natural and going back to the longevity component, whatever diet is that you're following, if you can eat less. Now, in order to eat less though, um, typically you need to eat a diet that is going to be supportive. Again, that's going to be right for you. So for example, I metabolize and process carbohydrates very well. My business partner, Matt, doesn't, he does better on fats. Mm -hmm. So he has a diet that is more dominant in fats and that's allowed him to achieve an ideal body weight. And for me, I need more carbohydrates Mm -hmm. and plant-based stuff. That's what I do better on. So those are things. The next thing is I would, I believe that um, introducing a little bit of fermented foods and you're going to have to experiment a little bit. So if you're on, if you're kind of like a, uh, a sausage and potatoes kind of guy, a little bit of sauerkraut into your diet is going to be a good idea. And, and if you can make it yourself, it's always going to be better than anything you get in the store. Mm-hmm. Or at least if you get it in the store, make sure it's at a, a, a high quality store that's providing, um, you know, live active strains of bacteria. Mm-hmm. If you're more towards uh, Eastern cuisine, you know, kimchi and um, miso are fermented foods. So cultures around the world have developed these fermented foods based on their dietary habits. They figured this out. So introducing those in, I think are great steps Interesting. Uh, into people's diets. The other thing is I would say for most people, um, protein and fats, making sure they get enough essential fatty acids uh, that's not rancid. And then if you can start cutting out the genetically modified foods, the big inflammatory ones, in my opinion, is uh, corn, and soy, which happen to be subsidized foods in the monoculture world that's produced widely in the States. And I think one of the big reasons that people are suffering so much from um, obesity, it's not so much the calories, it's that the people can't metabolize the food that they're eating. Now, when you're saying corn, are you saying like uh, corn products? Or are you talking about like corn, corn? All corn products. Most of the corn products in the United States are genetically modified. And what about like corn on the cob? Because that's like my favorite season during the summer is corn season. When it's like, yeah, you know, you, it's like you go by, the, you yeah, go by the farmer's market, they have corn. That is my favorite season. It's corn season. Do the blue corn. Um, blue corn's pretty, pretty clean. Uh, I like corn, and, um, but I don't eat too much of it. Um, I, and, I, and if I can, I go to blue corn because the, you know, the bottom line is, is um, the same thing with soy. If people are into soy products, it's almost mm-hmm. impossible to non-genetically modified food and our bodies just can't break that down really now what about like uh, well going back i think it's fascinating that um even before we knew the science of things certain cultures um developed foods that were good for their digestive health you know like you know you said like kimchi sauerkraut those are things that they're like oh these are things that you know inherently they knew that oh these are good for you and so that was just very interesting to me that um, that you brought that out. Now, what it, about? It is fascinating. Yeah. Well, now, what about stuff like uh, it, like Activia? You know, it's got like oh, it's got like good bacteria in it. You know, are those? Is that all just bullshit? <laughs> well, let me give a little etymology of the history of kind of probiotics. Probiotics are a very hot topic right now, right? Because there's so many people with digestive issues, and, and I think there's about 2,500 companies right now today that's producing. Uh, some form of probiotics. 
uh, probiotics for people who don't know are the good bacteria, which are essential in immune function, essential in digestion, and uh, it's, it's good to have. The challenge is, is um, the probiotic industry took off when they started studying Bulgarian peasants who were eating this fermented kefir that they made uh-huh. uh, from a culture, and they'd eat it three times a day, and these people live like 100 years, to be 100 years old. <clears throat> wow. uh, you can't just say that that's the causality, but there seemed to be a correlation, and they studied, and they found these um, bacteria called L. bulgaricus inside that and said, wow, there's some properties that are helping people have a better immune system and digestive system. And that's why these people are living longer. Uh-huh. That began the study of probiotics. So we're familiar with the bad bacteria and we take antibiotics as medicine to kill off bad bacteria, which are anti-life, antibiotic. Probiotics mm-hmm. are pro-life. So what's emerged out of that original research is people started using and taking various probiotic strains, um, you know, acidophilus and bifidus and, and, you know, all of these, and there's literally hundreds of strains that have been cultivated, each one with unique and, and, and properties. Mm-hmm. The challenge is, is when you take a probiotic, you need to have the right amount of prebiotics, the right amount of postbiotics, in other words, food for them to, to culture. Uh-huh. And, and, and they need to be in a format where they're actually live. The problem is, is most of the companies who are producing products in the industry, are, they're not checking their source. They don't know if it's live or dead. Oftentimes, they've been irradiated. And most of the probiotics and yogurts and things that people are buying are absolute a total waste of money. Really? They, they might as well stop taking it. Forget it. You're, you're not doing I would I would much better, you know, going to your grandma and getting her sauerkraut that she fermented in her crock of their house would be way better than anything you're going to buy at the store and those things. And so now that being said, there are some, um, some well-researched, well-developed uh, premium probiotics that are out there in the market, uh-huh. but uh, they're, they're going to be at a higher price point because it just costs a lot of money to develop culture and create uh, a set of strains that are going to be not competing against each other and that are going to colonize. And for the most part, most of the colonizing strains, according to Naveen Jain, who developed a test called uh, the Viome test, which you can actually check your own bacteria strains inside your body, just like a doctor is, a couple hundred bucks for a test. This is like a, we're on the kind of the golden age of this whole era. It's great. Uh-huh. And, and you can find out what strains you have and what strains might be beneficial for us. And, and you know, I think there was a researchers in Europe tested, I think 55 different probiotic strains and none of them were colonizing. So uh, you got to get a good probiotic out there. I'm just really, I'm just really upset now because like Jamie Lee Curtis was on TV, you know, talking about Tivia about how great it is. And so now I'm just like, I'm just shattered because now I just want to write a letter, tell her to screw off. I mean, that's horrible. Well, you know, the thing is, is she's probably good intentioned and she probably feels good about it. That's so politically got correct. Nice check That's and got a nice check for it and, uh, you know, went off and it's all good. Right? That's hilarious. It's so politically correct. Well, you know, she probably had good intentions on that. No, it's all BS. Oh, that's funny. Now, <laughs> you know, so all that is just like, it's so fascinating. Now I have, is, and I know this, but it's also very, I don't want to say, uh, I don't want to say so much work, but because, you know, with the busy lives that people lead, you know, thinking about, all right, well, I have to eat this or what this or what this or what this. Is there some kind of like, you know, cheat sheet out there that people can follow or something that they can do to like, you know, help them along the way? Because I know this yeah. is like your business. This is what you do. So, you know, yeah. 
you know, feel free to plug what you do because I mean, I, I know that people would want to know. Well, super simple. And this is the way I've corrected my own digestion. And I had that problem. And this is how I've corrected uh, over 50,000 of our clients digestion. And you go get a, a, a little tin of mints and you throw the tin away, the mints away. <laughs> Don't eat the mints. They're bad for you. <laughs> but take the tin of mints and you put in that mints, you put in um, some really high quality enzymes mm-hmm. and some probiotics. And, you know, that's enough for the day. And before you eat, take, take a few enzymes before you eat. And every night before you go to bed, take a high quality probiotic um, that, you, you, that will work in your system at nighttime. Mm-hmm. Or you can take it right during your meal sometimes and add some fermented foods to your diet. That alone will completely transform people's, uh, their whole feeling around eating uh, and literally how food feels inside their body. Wow. Well, that's interesting how food feels inside your body because I think that that there is a, definitely a a, um, uh, a truth to that. That uh, I know I feel differently after I eat different foods. Like if I'm eating really you know a, a carb heavy diet, um, I'm from for me in my body I am a lot more lethargic. I don't I'm not I don't think as quickly. Um, I'm tired a lot more. Um, that's, I just know that about my body. Now I've never done the testing thing, which now that you've talked about it, I want to do because it's like, Hmm, am I treating my body the way it needs to be treated? Cause I just, you know, I, I know that on a, a higher, uh, protein, you know, fatty, fattier diet, I just, I'm a little bit lighter all the way around. So, um, but now I want to go get, I want to, I want to do the test. Yes. Did you, did you eat a lot of sugar as a kid? Oh man. I lived on sugar, baby. Yeah. Yeah. I, grew, yeah. I told you I grew up a fat kid. So I mean, it's like uh, sugar, that, that's <laughs> there's sugar in it. I'm eating it. Yes. Well, one but, of the things that, <clears throat> I, that I found for a lot of people, and this is really important, important for your listeners. If you ate a lot of sugar as a child, oftentimes uh, what happens is you damage your sugar or your carbohydrate metabolism pathways, your enzymatic pathways on that. Really? Yeah. And that's why I believe that right now there's such a trend towards ketogenic diets, uh, which are basically mostly high levels of fat and a little bit of protein and little to no carbohydrates. And wow. I think they're, because this is an adaptation that allows people to operate in the world. And my business partner fits under that category. He just, feel, he feels absolutely fantastic on his diet, but you, you know, you go back and trace, he had a lot of those sugars. Now, when I grew up, I was fed uh, an organic garden from my mm-hmm. mom. We made fun of her. No one was doing that back then. We thought she was crazy. Uh, <laughs> we, we ate, um, you know, grass-fed beef that my uncle grew in his garden and like you know in his farm and mm-hmm. we hunted and fished and all that and even though I don't follow that type of diet now my body was very used to metabolizing plants and vegetables and things like that and mm-hmm. and so it became natural for me and I didn't have the exposure to the sugars that say my business partner did so I had some advantages there Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, you are like super fascinating. So much great information. I mean, really is giving me a lot of things to think about in my own diet. Makes me kind of not want to eat at all, but I know that I will. Um, so if after today, people want to connect with you, want to find out more about uh, where you're at, what you're doing, uh, where do you want them to go? Well, you know, I'm, what I'm going to do for your audience, because we can only scratch the surfaces, is we're going to give away um, our course, the Awesome Health course. <clears throat> You'll be able to get it at uh, by optimizers 
com slash LHH. And that will allow them, you can put it in the show links. And what, what, it, what I have in there is literally an 80, it's an 84 day course. You can do it all at once. It's five to 15 minute videos on everything from enzymes, probiotic, different types of water, you know, some of the genetic testing we talk about, the right tests for you, all these side of things. You can kind of mix and match or you can go through the whole course, doesn't matter. But it allows you to kind of dive a little bit deeper, find out what's right for you. And it's the things that I've learned over 30 plus years. I'm not there to advocate all my products or anything like that. I'm uh -huh. there to, to, to take the, you know, the experts, the things that I've learned over coaching all these people and said, hey, this person has solved this challenge. This person has solved this challenge. Here's a summary. Right. Here's where you find out and you go off there and it's been a great resource <clears throat> for people and something I'm very passionate about sharing. That is awesome. And I appreciate that. Thanks. So I, I appreciate you offering that up because like, I'm putting this on both my podcasts, both leadership happy hour and the one I do for an association called laugh box. Cause you know, for um, both groups, I know they'd get a lot from um, everything that you shared today, but if we were really were at a happy hour <clears throat> and you and I were sitting back having a couple of beers, I don't know if you drink cause you're super healthy, but if we were, um, I'd give you like some kind of drunk dare. I'd be like, Hey Wade, you should go do this. And you'd be like, I'm not doing that shit. But since we're not, I'm just going to ask you a few random questions from my overstuff. Would you rather book? Are you game? Yeah, I'm on. It's, it's All right, good. sweet. All right, Wade, I'm going to ask you three and they are random wherever I open the book to is where I open. So I'll open up to. So I'll apologize in advance. <laughs> So, I just great. never, I just never Love know. It. All right. Would you rather every time you're in your car have to hang your head out the window like a dog or have to sleep curled at the, up at the end of your parents' bed like a dog? Definitely hanging my head out the window like a dog. Yeah. I'm with you on that too. All right. Um, would, you, would you rather get stung by a thousand wasps or have to listen to L. D. Barges? In the rhythm of the night, 1,000 times a week. In the rhythm of the night. Oh, I'm definitely going for the wasp. I'll go for the wasp <laughs> therapy. I was like, I didn't think about that song for a minute. like, in the rhythm of the night. Okay, all right. <laughs> all right. Um, all right, last question. Oh, here, this is actually a perfect question. Would you rather hunt or gather? Ooh, it's, you know, it's, I, I see gathering as a form of hunting. All right. Well, that's it. That all worked. That was funny. I opened up to that because like, it was almost like a callback to our earlier um, conversation on how we, yeah. how we progressed as human beings. Well, I appreciate you spending a little time with me today. Like I said, fascinating conversation for me. And I really appreciate your time and um, the offer that you gave our, um, our listeners as well. Thanks so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, giving me a platform to share some information. Hopefully it helps somebody. Absolutely. What did I tell you? Great interview with Wade. Um, hey, get your gut checked. Go to 23andMe. More importantly, go to Wade's website and take advantage of the offer that he gave us. I'm also going to encourage you to go to aath.org <laughs> and register for the conference. It's coming up. There's only a few months left. So until next time, this is Chip Lutz saying we'll keep the laugh on for you. This is LaughBox, the podcast for laughter and humor professionals. LaughBox is made possible by a grant from the National Speakers Foundation and is brought to you by AATH, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Find out more at aath.org. Be sure to review LaughBox on iTunes. 
For show notes and more information about today's conversation, visit laughbox.aath.org.